Hello, everyone. This is Vern Davis. I am your host of Plant Profits. I thank you all for joining Plant Profits today. I'm excited about my guest. Um, she is um, the founder of a couple things. I want to talk about them. She's the founder of Lady Jane Branding. She's the founder and author of Women in Cannabis Study. WICS. I'm sure you guys have seen that acronym uh, out there a lot. It's uh, very important to to the industry and what uh, uh, we're doing. And her name is Jennifer Wetzel. And Jennifer, I want to welcome you to Plant Profits today. And Plant Profits is brought to you by Produce Global. How are you today, Jennifer? I'm doing great, Vern. Thanks for having me. I appreciate oh, it. Oh, that's great. Yeah. You are so welcome. We're excited to have you. I wanted to have this discussion. And quite frankly, I need to have more discussions about the influence of women in cannabis or the lack of influence of women in cannabis. And there's a dichotomy there. There's some things we need to really, really talk about. Uh, but really, I want to, you know, just thinking about having this conversation with you and and really taking a look at your perspective. And when you look at somebody's perspective, you start to think about where did they come from, right? Where did it originate? And how did it uh, become a part of their fiber and who they are? And um, you're from Maine, aren't you? I live in Maine. Yes. I'm actually you from live in Maine. But yeah, I've, I've moved to Maine. I moved here in 2017. And I love it here. Oh, you're, you're from what? Where actually are you from? Baltimore. Baltimore. Yeah. <laughs> I used to live there. No kidding. We have that in common. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I lived um, right out, right outside on the edge of the city. Um, oh, I forget the name of the little town. It was, it was a little town. They have little communities around Baltimore that um, have their own identity and characteristics. It's, it's uh, really a, it's really a cool city and the food is really good there. Yeah. <laughs> so, so tell me about that. Growing up in Baltimore, right? Uh, were you in the city or were you in the suburbs? Uh, I lived in the suburbs. My dad had a business in Fells Point. Um, okay. We had, a, we had a family business that started in 1919, and he was the third generation. Wow. It was a Polish sausage business. Uh, so, um, yeah, That's I was. Actually, no, it was Ostrowski's Polish sausage. It was, uh, okay. Regionally famous. Um, you know, there were lines around the corner of, you know, wow. old Polish ladies every holiday. It was a uh, it was a really great business that he had. Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, what did you, I mean, was it just you or did you have siblings or? Uh, I had a sibling, yes. Um, he died uh, in 1995 in a car accident. So, yeah. Yeah. So you grew up in an entrepreneurial family. Um, I did. You know, my, mm-hmm. my dad was a small business person and yeah. he, um, you know, he ran his business that way. He didn't want to grow too big because it was too, you know, would have been too much for him. It was just him mostly doing everything. So, um, but that's how I got my start in. I wanted to work in the food business and I went to St. Joseph's University to get a degree in food marketing. And it was because of my dad's famous school there. As a famous school there. So, and I'm very familiar with the school. I've actually been on that campus. Um, When um, I got out of uh, of school, I went to work in consumer products. Mm -hmm. And then when I I start to progress in my career, I start recruiting. 
and this the school St. Joe's, right, just kept coming up because uh, it, it really uh, is one of a handful of schools that really focuses in that area. And um, and I was uh, living on the East Coast, living in Baltimore. And when I lived in Baltimore and Boston, that's that's when I, I really utilized that school to recruit people to to work in the in the business that I was working in. So, yeah, that's a great school. And you wanted to go there because of what? I wanted to be in their food marketing program uh, when okay. I was at the time. I thought, you know, people have to eat forever. So mm-hmm. um, what a great business to be in. And I realized then I didn't want to do sales um, yeah. and I wanted to be in advertising and marketing. So it did give me a good background. Most everybody did go into sales right out of school and then did something else. Um, I joined 7-Eleven and I worked uh, there for about nine years in a number of different roles uh, yeah. until I was in merchandising. And so I was able to get a really good sense of um, of the retail environment and merchandising and that sort of thing. Yeah. What are some of the brands that you you engaged? Um. Well, it wasn't until later. So I, I moved mm-hmm. to, um, I worked in advertising uh, for a number of years in my career, and I worked in a number of different industries and on a number mm-hmm. of different brands, like Cessna was one of them. We, we had a lot of aviation brands. Wow. Um, I worked on Borden, um, the uh-huh. Borden cheese brand. Uh, yeah. I worked for um, Cargill Meats. You know, I worked on ground beef, which is a really weird <laughs> thing to try and take a commodity and brand it, right? Yeah. It's actually similar to what we're doing in cannabis a little bit is trying to brand a, a, a plant um, in a number of different ways. So um, strangely, all of the things I've done in my background have led me to doing what I'm doing now in cannabis. Yeah, that, you, you brought up something I want to talk to you about, and I try to talk talk about it all the time um, and for, I think, obvious reasons, and that's marketing and cannabis, right? So tell me, give me. You're living in it. You're in the environment. Tell me your thought. You're a marketer. You understand it uh, from the very beginning. So tell me your opinion of what's happening from a marketing perspective and branding perspective in cannabis. You know, I think um, there's a lot of different things happening in in cannabis in terms of, of branding and marketing. And I think I'll focus on the main market because that's where I spend most of my time. I have a business here and I work with okay. a lot of the brands that are here. Okay. Um, and, you know, I, I feel that branding is going to become more important over time as more brands come into the market. And I think that those who focus mm-hmm. on building a really good connection with their consumers are going to be the ones who succeed. But what I'll say in terms of marketing cannabis and I think about the data that I gathered in the Women in Cannabis study and in a companion study where we looked at current consumers and curious consumers, and we compared usage and so frequency of usage and reasons for usage. And industry insiders use cannabis for many more reasons than anyone else um, for things like productivity, focus, creativity, spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And those who are current consumers and curious consumers don't quite know that yet. And so in terms of marketing and bringing new cannabis consumers in, I feel that it's very important to focus on use cases. Why am I going to use this cannabis? Mm -hmm. I don't care what strain it is. I don't care if it's cookies or purple punch. What's it going to do and what am I going to use it for? 
Yeah. So I've been trying to encourage brands to market that way, market for why I'm going to use this. Am I going to clean my house right now? Do I need to mm-hmm. be more social? Do I need to be less anxious or depressed? Do I need to sleep? What is the thing that I need to do right now? And let me find the product that will help me do that. And if we're just talking about strain names, it's impossible to do that. Okay. So there's a couple things going on with what you said. Uh, It's very interesting to me. It's fascinating. Marketing in cannabis is fascinating to me because I haven't seen it done well yet. I really haven't. Okay, so I'll I'll put the stake in the ground on that. Um, But it it seems like I love what you just said about the why, right? Why am I utilizing it? Why am I using this? What what does it do for me? What should it be doing for me? Why am I even thinking about using it? Right. And and how does it it get to there? and, And how do I know what to use? to affect what I want affected. That that's a big branding issue. Mm-hmm. And how that is being articulated and communicated to consumers. It's a big branding issue. Okay, so that's one. Then the other one is once I get it, once I understand it, right? Nobody's really speaking to me about it from this brand, right? I don't have a Coke Pepsi thing going on, right? Yep. And um how do we get there? That's a great question. I think a lot of it is education um, mm-hmm. and messaging. And it's very important to be careful when you do that, because there are a lot of ways to run afoul of the FDA or your local um, uh, regulatory body who, you know, yeah. if you're talking about health effects, which you really can't do. Um, but I think that, um I think that finding tools to help uh, consumers understand the differences between types of cannabis and, again, what what to use it for, it's that education piece, it's the tools, and it's people who work in the industry or people who are industry insiders or longtime cannabis consumers talking to other people. It's talking Mm -hmm. about your experiences. It's talking about how you use cannabis and why um, to help bring those other people who are new to the plant into the market. Mm-hmm. You said that very easily. <laughs> I've been working on this for a while. <laughs> That's great. That is, that is awesome. Uh, look, I'm, I'm telling you, uh, you, what you said very easily is not, is proven to be and have been not very easy to execute. Um, now, Here's what we have. We have an industry that we're all now, all of a sudden, in the last six or seven years, free to talk about because it's 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 come out of the darkness. It's into the light, right? And and so maybe my expectations of consumer branding and consumer products branding is just um, a little aggressive uh, from an effectiveness and execution perspective than what um, what should be expected of a, 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 a new, young, budding industry. So I don't know. What do you think about that statement? Um, you know, I think that 
you know, there are, sorry, I'm trying to gather my thoughts there. Um, you know, you talked about the, being able to talk about cannabis more. And in some cases that's true. And in some cases it's not because we still actually can't talk about cannabis on social media or we'll get shut down often. No, that's a, that's so true. There's, so, there's some limitations of, of, but come on, can't we find a way to, to, to reach, reach me? I think we right? can, but we uh, are being held back by the powers that be because this is still not federally legal. So you know, just as what if I said that's an excuse? Um, it's, it, it's reason it's valid. Let me let me let me state my case. It's reason. It's a reasonable comment you made. It's valid because it is absolutely valid. There's there's things you can't do. But in other highly regulated industries, they got through it. There's things you can't do. And, and I worked in an adult beverage industry, so I know there's things we couldn't do. But our industry thrived, and we were able to differentiate what the offering is and the occasions and the, some of the basic tenets of marketing were able to be kept intact, and we were able to reach consumers in the right way. Mm-hmm. So I say if we continue to talk about cannabis – in a way where the government is not allowing us to communicate like other brands, but we'll, we're going to be saying that a long time because it is going to be an always controlled industry. Uh, and that's my view. Yes. And the other thing to consider is that there's still a lot of stigma and, you know, the women yeah. in cannabis studies showed that over 60% of women are shamed for their cannabis use and for their job in cannabis. They are shamed yeah. for working in cannabis. So those of us who are in the industry sometimes forget because we're kind of talking to ourselves yeah, um, yeah. that the outside world hasn't caught up yet. The, the shame and stigma are still a big part of this. And so there's fear of talking about cannabis when you can get your bank account taken away, you can get your children taken away. I, um, I, I think you're right. I, and I, and I, I, we're gonna take a break yep. and we're gonna come back and I'm here with Jennifer Wetzel, founder of Lady Jane Branding and founder and author of the Women in Cannabis Study. And my name is Vern Davis. My show is Plant Profits. I am your host. and We'll be right back. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Hey, welcome back to Plant Profits. I'm your host, Vern Davis. My guest today is Jennifer Wetzel. She's founder of Lady Jane Branding and founder and author of the Women in Cannabis Study. Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. Jennifer and I just had a really, I love this conversation we're having, Jennifer, about marketing and cannabis. And um, it's, it's, it's really appropriate that we have this study. I mean, you, you grew up in marketing and representing some big brands and some that are not so easily, right, um, uh, marketed and advertised and all the things you'd like to do and communicate with consumers and all those things. You had to make a way of doing that. And um, uh, back in 2019, uh, you wrote an article and published in the Cannabis Industry Journal. Okay. And it, it, it ties into this discussion because there's a lot of do's and don'ts in communicating 
marketing your brands and can tell us about that and, and how to stay out of trouble with the FDA. Tell us about this, this article. Sure. And, and, you know, my compliance background comes from having worked in the animal health industry on animal health supplements. And okay. strangely, there are no rules for animal health supplements. So they are um, uh, drugs of low regulatory concern. And cannabis is a drug of high regulatory concern. So everything I learned about how to talk about those products, I'm able to transfer to understanding how to talk about cannabis. Okay. And you are unable yeah. to make health claims. So you can't talk about how cannabis helps anxiety or cancer or any, any disease state mm -hmm. or any symptom of any disease. What you can talk about is how you make, how it makes you feel. And so for me, uh, as we were talking earlier, it's about effect. So mm -hmm. if I want to be happy or sleepy mm -hmm. or um, sociable, mm -hmm. um, it's talking about cannabis in those kinds of ways, um, use cases instead of health and yeah. health reasons that can get you in trouble with the FDA. Okay. Because you're making claims um, that have not been certified by them, right? Yeah, they, you can't make drug claims for something that hasn't gone through the FDA drug certification process, which right. is millions of dollars and you know a decade of work and lots of uh, studies. And we're not there, and I doubt we're going to be there. And it's the pharmaceutical companies who are going to be doing that. Um, and so it's the the small cannabis companies who need to not run afoul of the FDA or their local regulatory bodies by talking about cannabis in that way. Mm. Got it. Yeah. So um, when you wrote this article and you put this light and you, sh you know, you shine this light on these these uh, issues, problems and opportunities that that we face, what happened? What do you mean? What happened? <laughs> Nothing happened. <laughs> Nothing um, happened. No, honestly, what I'll say is that did, were we enlightened? Did we change behavior? Did no. we did, did more people uh, not get into trouble? What happened? I don't think so. Um, I'll be honest. <laughs> I tried to talk to a lot of CBD companies about making yeah. sure they were making health claims, and they it didn't. They they weren't interested. They're like, I'm just going to go ahead and make those claims, and we'll see what happens. Um, so I tried to give my guidance to help yeah. people not get in trouble, and um, you know. So you you got you got no real reaction from the communication? To be honest, not much. No. Um I Yeah. Um I think that um I think it's a risk that the people are are willing to take because it's a small one in comparison to all the other risks about working in cannabis. You know, yeah. I I put my expertise out there. Um but so people can I just think, think Yeah, you 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 know what, Jennifer? I just think CBD could really they, they need, I mean, they could really get their act together on that. They could. Um, yeah. What's going to make them do it? Well, you know, there have been a number of letters from the FDA uh, to CBD companies, you know, and I think that each time that happens, there are some companies who tidy up their, their messaging so that they won't get in trouble someday. Um, mm -hmm. you know, but it's a, it's a vague threat, I think, for most people. Um, so I'm not sure that they're that that matters as much right now. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's unfortunate. Um, th now, so 
uh, folks, are you consulting? Did that give you an opportunity to to position yourself as someone of a, of authority and and knowledge in this space in that particular area? And people start calling you and asking you to consult them on what they're doing and how they could do it better. Gosh, I wish that's how it went. Um, <laughs> I do too. <laughs> no, not at all. Not in the at least. You know, there were a few that asked for help, and when I told them how much I charge per hour for this work. Yeah. Never mind. Um, no one really wants to pay for that kind of advice that I, yeah. I found. I'm also not so great at selling myself, which is why I did this big study and wrote yeah. it all down so that um, people could read it without having to to engage me every time. Maybe um, you gave them too much. I may, Maybe I did. You know, you give them so much, they don't need to talk to you. Perhaps. There's a line. <laughs> but what inspired you? Now, I'm having fun with you now, but what inspired you to do it, to, to write the paper? Uh-huh. Um, well, first, I was doing a, an event, the National Women of Cannabis Conference in Vegas in 2019, and I wanted to have a um, an activation for these women, something to do at the event. And so I wanted to do a survey because I'm a data nerd and I like to do that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I do have a background in market research. And I was thinking about a topic and I was thinking about all of the harassment I was seeing on social media uh, of women. It was really making me angry. Um, And I had been looking for some data on women in cannabis and there wasn't a lot. There was some, um, wasn't recent, wasn't comprehensive. And I thought, oh, I'm going to do a topic on um, women's experiences working in cannabis. And you know what? We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back to and we're going to dive into women and cannabis in a way. Uh, It's very, very cool way you put this together. And I want people to really understand it. So, hey, I'm Vern Davis. I'm your host of Plant Profits. And thank you all for joining us here on Plant Profits. And Plant Profits is brought to you by Produce uh, Global. My guest today is Jennifer Wetzel, founder of Lady Jane Branding and founder and author of the Women in Cannabis Study. We'll be right back. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Hey, welcome back. I'm Vern Davis. I am your host of Plant Profits. And Plant Profits is brought to you by Produce Global. My guest today is Jennifer Wetzel. She is the founder of Lady Jane Branding and founder and author of Women in Cannabis, the Women in Cannabis Study. Uh, I tell you what, Jennifer, uh, Wicks, Women in Cannabis Study, uh, tell me, what inspired you to actually do this work? Um, you know, I wanted, I wanted to have data on the topic. There okay. wasn't a lot of, of data out there. Every yeah. event that I went to in 2019 talked about how, um, how little data there is out there on the market. And there's a lot of people gathering, you know, purchase data. Um, But I wanted to look at at women's journeys of working in cannabis, their experiences, the the obstacles, the barriers. And so I put together a very lengthy survey uh, with the help of of, um, a sociologist um, so that I could could make sure that I was asking the questions in a scientific manner. Um, But I really, it was a very long survey. It was almost 100 questions because I wanted to understand the journey, you know, yeah, who, yeah. who are the women working in cannabis? What were they doing before? Why are they working in cannabis? What are the obstacles and barriers and sacrifices they're facing to, to do this job? 
you know, what are the other things that, that affect them in their life, like balance and self-care and self-esteem? Mm-hmm. And then do they consider themselves successful? Mm-hmm. And all of this what, is a journey. Yeah, totally. What, what did you find out? Well, um, I found that, you know, it, in particular, this, this study was um, a bit overrepresented uh, with older women who are a little further along in their career. Almost half of our um, respondents are business owners or, or, or CEOs. Um, and we found that they are highly educated, like very okay. highly educated. Um, okay. They enter cannabis for a number of reasons. Passion for the plant being one of the top ones, um, wanting to... Uh, bring their expertise into a new industry was one mm-hmm. of them or share their, their skills or teach other people or make changes. You know, um, uh, you know it was a, a lot about advocacy as well. So, and, Wait and a this, minute. I, yeah. one, one question, one question. So did it come out that we had this new legal industry and women thought it was a real opportunity to actually run a business, be a business owner. Yes. And and they saw this blue sky opportunity. Yes. Going to hang up a shingle and, yeah. and do my thing in cannabis. I'm going to take the things I've learned and move to a new industry where I can be appreciated. That's yes. not really how it's going, but, <laughs> but that's, 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 but I just want to, we need to get that out there. Right. Yes. There's been a lot of problems with that. Yes. Yes. And so most of these women, either cannabis helped them or someone mm-hmm. close to them, and they want to tell the world about this plant. And, right. you know, I've, I've, I, or the women in this industry, you know, have a lot of experience doing things elsewhere. And so they wanted to come be an accountant or a marketer or whatever mm-hmm. it is in cannabis instead of where they were before. Mm-hmm. And one of the very interesting things we did ask about consumption and these industry insiders, like 69% of them use cannabis every day. Um, and the majority of us use cannabis for mental health conditions or just mm-hmm. general emotional health. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I have to wonder, are many of us who have moved into this industry because we do need to use cannabis medicinally or because we want to, and we don't fit in elsewhere, you know, we can't use cannabis in our other jobs. And so we've moved to an industry that accepts us mm-hmm. as we are as cannabis users. Um, so you know, we talked about consumption and use, using it more and for more uh, things. Um, but then when we talk about the, the barriers and the sacrifices, you know, women give up um, a lot to work in cannabis. They spend their money, uh, you they know, do. more so than maybe they're earning. Um, you know, they, they fear the shame and stigma. They um, deal with sexism, misogyny, harassment, like sexual harassment, um, verbal harassment, um, or just lack of opportunity, lack of equity. Um, the numbers really were, were distressing, to be honest. And I did compare, I asked mm-hmm. a few questions that were the same as a McKinsey lean-in study on mm-hmm. women in the workplace. And mm-hmm. the answers from the women in cannabis study showed that, there, that it, things are worse here than in the other industries that have been studied. Um, really? Yes. Really? So what percent of, of, of cannabis businesses are ran by women? I don't have that answer, actually, because we didn't do a, a census to really understand the, the, the true number of, mm-hmm. of women who are out there. But I can tell you that, you know, the, the business owners in our study, there's quite a few of them. And when I look at the, the mm-hmm. data for who's viewing the report now, because I'm asking yes. people 
sign up to view. So a lot of CEOs, a lot of business owners, and mostly women. Only mm-hmm. 11% of the people who've looked at the report so far are men. So I'm wondering where the allies are. So how do you get men uh, more in tuned and engaged? That is an excellent question. And I would love your input there. <laughs> well, I, I could ask it in many different ways. What is your next move? Right. That's another yes. way of asking the same question. For sure. Um, we are working on some additional publications to put out. We're, we're looking at ways to break down um, the data and put it out in bite-sized chunks um, so that more people are are seeing the data rather than feeling the need to spend time with the 280 page report, which is what mm-hmm. the report is. It's, yeah. it's a lot. Um, and I, yeah. I'm hoping that, um, you know, coverage from the media mm-hmm. and, you know, social media that we put out will help bring these numbers to light um, mm-hmm. so that more people are able to, to see this. Like it, we don't have anecdotes anymore. We have data. Yeah, but look, I asked a very simple question. I said, what percent of the cannabis businesses are run by women? That's, I think that's a metric you got to know. I would agree. So who's going to do that? Um, I don't know. There's some, I know there's other research out there. MJ Biz has some research on, on ownership. Um, they did a report on minority ownership mm-hmm. in cannabis. And I think um, right. women are in there. And I know that there was a... I'm going to have to find it. There was a company, an HR company who was doing that kind of census. Um, right. So I, I believe that data might exist. It just wasn't one that we were able well, to. Well, if, if we don't know our base, how, how do we know if we're progressing? Uh, yes, I agree. That's a, that's a great thing. Um, a great question. And one thing that I'll also say is that, you know, I, I did this research at the end of 2019 and beginning of 2020. And every yeah. one that I speak to tells me that things have only gotten worse since then. So it's time for us to do another round of research. This was only meant to be the baseline. I was hoping when they tell you it's gotten worse, what are they telling you? Uh, respect for women has gotten okay. worse. Women okay. leaving the industry, um, or just the stories, the harassment. The um, I heard a lot about uh, MJ BizCon and uh, how Vegas went this this past time, and it was a, it was a lot more men having meetings in strip clubs, you know, it's just that kind of. um, But that's Vegas. I mean, look, here's what I'm telling you. I'm in the people business, right? So my business is acquiring talent for cannabis companies, right? So I'm in the talent business. Women are in high demand. I've, Conversations I have with executives, they want women in their business. They want minority women in their business, right? I see that every day. So I, I really, in my opinion, I want, to have an, I want to have an engaged discussion about where we are and where we're going and how we're going to get there. But I'm telling you, I get requests to put women in leadership roles in cannabis companies all the time. But then what happens? What happens when they get there? Mm -hmm. I think that's a legitimate opportunity. You know, one of the most frequent stories that I heard both in the study and the the women I talked to over the past couple of years, and it's, I had this, I had this great job. I was doing amazing at my job. And then I got fired or demoted. And a man was brought in with half my experience and paid twice as much. 
So many times I heard that story. So I applaud those who are hiring women. Are you paying them the same? You know, are you, is it? An well, I'm telling you, they are. I mean, I'm look, look at me, right? Uh, <laughs> you can see on my face, right? I am telling you that in the cases that I'm involved in, that is not a problem with paying them equal or more. Good. Good. Okay. So uh, I think this is an important topic. I think the topic of branding and how to do it legally and uh, is an important topic, but I do think we, we, we can't allow what today's reality to be tomorrow's reality, right? We have to, we, we, we have to continue to fight the fight at the government level, but we have to be creative in what we do in a legal way, as you've uh, made that clear, uh, to be successful in branding the product. And I think this battle with women is a battle that is, uh, uh, that is engaged uh, across the nation in cannabis and other industries. And this, this should be the time for women um, in, in the workplace. And we got to make that the case. I think your question you ask is so legitimate about once they're there, what happens, right? And I think that's where things can break down more. Uh, and that's, those are big, big rock opportunities for uh, industry as a whole and cannabis industry in particular. So, uh, look, this has been great. Uh, Jennifer, thank you for being here on our show at Plant Profits and uh, my guest today um, had a great discussion with Jennifer Wetzel, founder of Lady Jane Branding and founder and author of Women uh, in Cannabis Study. And uh, please, everyone, go check that out. Take a look at that. There's some real guidelines that we can learn from and that we can execute our business in the right way. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for being here. And thank you all for joining us here on Plant Profits. And I'm your host, Vern Davis. Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. You can download any episode of Plant Profits. And please, you know, uh, look for this episode uh, with Jennifer Wetzel uh, on Plant Profits and download it in any way you get your uh, podcast, CannabisRadio.com, uh, Apple, Spotify, iHeart, all major podcast portals. And follow my business, my, my company, Protus Global, through our social networks, including LinkedIn, Instagram, all the media platforms, Facebook and Twitter. Finally, learn more about how we're building companies and how we are changing people's lives at ProtusGlobal.com, P-R-O-T-I-S Global.com. Calm. Until next time, cheers. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.